0: good morning crossroads church how are you this morning my name is tyler i have the great privilege of being the lompoc campus pastor here for crossroads as we get started this morning we're going to continue yes we are going to continue in our series in the gospel of john if you've traveled with us since easter we've been in the gospel of john up to this point This morning we're going to be in John chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's okay. We got you covered. Go ahead and raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring a Bible to you. Uh, As well, there was a little note handout. If you don't have one of those notes, you'd like to take notes, feel free to raise your hand as well. They'll get you notes as well. But this morning, before we get started, I just want to open with a word of prayer. So if you would bow your heads with me. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Jesus, we thank you for the work that you're doing. You've always done. You'll continue to do. We surrender this morning to you, God. It's all for your glory. Let everything we say and let everything we do bring glory to you and good to those around us. It's in your mighty name we pray, Jesus. Everyone says, amen, amen. 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 Have you ever noticed that we don't teach people to listen very well? Have you ever tried to teach a child, kid, to listen? It's pretty difficult, actually. It's almost this art that is learned and adapted, or maybe it's not learned, not adapted very well. Teaching people to listen is so important, and yet we hardly take any time teaching people how to do it. The average person will consume about 34 gigabytes of data a day. For those computer people in here, I am not one of them. I couldn't tell you the exact amount that a 34 gigabyte thing is. I read and I studied, it's a lot. A lot of information that the average person will take in every single day. Now this could be on your smartphone, this could be reading a magazine or a book, this could be watching a YouTube video, this could be watching the TV. If you're anything like me, I like to turn off a notification on my phone. It's one specific notification that I don't like seeing. It's at the end of the week, your phone will tell you how long you averaged every day spending on your phone. You want to be disappointed? Turn that on. And at the end of the week, when it says you averaged four hours and nine minutes a day on your phone, and you're like, what did I do for four hours on my phone? Like, I don't remember anything that I did on my phone for the past week, let alone to spend four hours a day on it. Turn that notification off, man. I don't need to be disappointed any more than I already am, all right? Just don't even tell me how long I am. 34 gigabytes a day is what we normally take in the average person. The average person will consume, take in about 100,000 words a day. That could be conversations, could be reading, could be reading signs, could be listening to the television, 100,000 words a day. And if I were to ask you, what's one thing that you've said today, you'd probably be like, I don't know, I'm hungry. (laughs) I said that this morning when I woke up audibly. Like, we don't know what we say. We don't know what we do. We don't know what we take in. See, we hear a lot of things, but listening, how many of us would agree that hearing and listening are two different things? See, I hear a lot every single day. My wife might tell you, he doesn't listen very well, though. She might be like, he hears me. Uh, Why don't you go do some yard work? I hear it. I don't want to listen to it, though. This is what was happening in Jesus' day. See, people were hearing everything that Jesus was doing. They were hearing the words that he was speaking. But were they actually listening to what he was saying? Were they understanding what he was actually talking about? We're going to see in John chapter 7 that they were not. They were great at hearing. They were not great at listening. So if you would open your Bibles, John chapter 7, we're going to be verses 1 through 24. This is what it says. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths or feast of tabernacles was at hand. So his brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. And Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come. But your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. And after saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private, The Jews were seeking for him, were looking for him at the feast, saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, He is a good man, others said, No, he is leading people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. And about the middle of the feast, verse 14, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he's never studied? And Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but The one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? And the crowd answered, You have a demon. Who's seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marveled at it. Moses gave you circumcision. Not that it was from Moses, but from the father's. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me on the, because I have made a whole man's body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. This morning we're going to take a look at three different people that Jesus encounters that had heard a lot about him but had never actually listened to what Jesus was actually saying. In verses 1 through 9, we have a unique interaction with Jesus' family. If you notice, it says, Jesus' brothers did not even believe. So Jesus' brothers are telling him, Hey, why don't you go to the feast? Now, there's a couple different ways of reading this, okay? You can actually read it as a sarcastic remark, which you can't really help but be like, hey, if you're actually doing all of these things, why don't you go to the Feast of Booths? We'll talk about that in a minute. And perform the miracles there where the masses will see. Why don't you do that, Jesus? Or it could be out of sincerity that where they were saying, hey, Jesus, if you actually want to get people to follow you, then you need to go where all of the people are. So why don't you go to the feast and perform all of these miracles? And essentially, they don't believe because they don't understand what Jesus is doing. Jesus has said over and over again, my time has not yet come. And he's in the region of Galilee, 60 miles outside of Judea or Jerusalem. So the Feast of Booths, Feast of Tabernacles, it's not booze. Two people in the past week I've talked about, and they're like, the Jews had a feast of booze? I kind of like that. Like, tell me more about that. So I tell them, and they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, booth booths, tabernacles, tents, feast of booths, okay? So the feast of booths, what it was is it was a celebration commemorating and remembering the 40 years of wandering that the Israelites did in the desert. If we remember, Moses comes to Egypt and tells Pharaoh, let my people go. They ultimately exodus through the Red Sea and then they journey for 40 years in the desert. They did not have a home. Instead, they had tents. How many people enjoy camping in here? I know we got some campers. I've worked hard my whole life, so I don't have to camp, okay? It's not that I don't enjoy it. just have a home. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to sleep in my home. Why not? The Feast of Booze was all about this camping experience where they would be for seven days pitching tents. Every man who was an Israelite would have to journey to Jerusalem, build a tent, sleep in the tent for seven days where they would celebrate and remember what God had done taking them through the desert into the promised land. This was a good time. This was a celebration, okay? How many of you have ever been to a fair? Lompoc, we got the Flower Festival. That's ghetto, okay? I'm sorry if you plan it. I'm not going to the Flower Festival, okay? I'm definitely not paying to go to the Flower Festival, all right? I'm not paying money to get in there. Spring Arts Festival? No, sorry. Like, if it's free, I'll go get a a piece of food, and then I'm like, I'm done. I'm not going to get on a Ferris wheel, because how many of you saw that video of that thing, like, about to fall over, and people had to jump on it? Yep, nope, I'm good. You and Bulton in the Valley, I don't even think you have a fair, do you? Like, you don't have rides and stuff like that over here? I'm from Lompoc, so I don't know. I don't think so, huh? Sorry. But there is a good fair, locally. I don't know if anyone agrees with me. The Paso Robles Mid-State Fair. That's a good time. Now, I'll travel the hour and a half to go up to the Mid-State Fair. I'll pay money to go in, I'll eat some food, I'll have some drinks, and then I go and I see all these animals and all of these people camping in their motor homes for days with these animals. And my buddy, he trims the cows and like makes them look pretty, I guess. I don't know, I don't understand. But I'll tell you, when I'm there and I'm seeing this, I go, I wanna, I wanna do that, like, I wanna be a cowboy. Let me get a cowboy hat and hang out with you guys. Cause this looks like fun. This is a celebration. This is a time where we hang out and we build community and fellowship. That's what the Feast of Booths is. The Feast of Booths was something if you weren't allowed to be in there, you were like, man, I wish I could do that with the Jews. It looks like so much fun. This is what was happening. And his brothers are saying, hey, why don't you go where all of the Jews are going to be and perform the miracles there? Don't do it outside of Galilee. There's no one here. That's like us doing things amazing in built in. And then it's like, well, hey, if it's going to be amazing, go to LA where all the people are. Why do you think people travel to big cities? Because of the amount of people that's there. If you want to have a successful business, it's like, well, go do it where a bunch of people are. You don't do it in a small town like Lompoc or Bulton. That's what people will say. And Jesus was like, wait a minute. You've been hearing, but you haven't been listening. You don't understand what I've been doing and saying you're not fully understanding. And now when it says Jesus is brothers, okay, Jesus actually had brothers and sisters. Jesus was born a virgin, the scriptures tell us, the immaculate conception. And now some people will say that Jesus was forever virgin, forever a virgin. That creates problems because the gospels, other gospels in Mark and Luke tell us that Jesus actually had brothers and sisters. So is there one Immaculate Conception, or is there like, a whole bunch, like huh? I'll tell you, there was one. Jesus was the only one that was an Immaculate Conception, born without a man. So Jesus' brothers began telling him, "Hey, you need to do this. You need to go where all of the people are." See, Jesus was surrounded by people that were hearing what He was doing. But they weren't listening. Well, this morning as we continue, let's listen to what Jesus says. It will be challenging. At times it'll be difficult. But we journey together through the scriptures to better discover who Jesus is. So his family struggle with this. They don't understand, they haven't fully listened to what he's saying. Now, what's interesting is the Jews, we've talked about how they were an oppressed. We look throughout history. The Jews have faced massive amounts of persecution and oppression. I don't know if anyone grew up in a friends group. Uh, When I was in elementary school, I was not a cool kid, okay? Not a cool kid. We would have a little group of friends, all right? It was funny how even in a group of not cool kids, there was still one kid that really wasn't cool. And even the not cool kids would pick on the one that really wasn't cool. And then you can maybe integrate up and be like, oh, I've kind of leveled up a little bit in the society structure. And yet still, there will be someone that gets made fun of, picked on. The oppressed often are the oppressors, always. It's funny how we have Jesus here, his brothers, okay? They're already oppressed people as the Jews. They're carpenters by trade. They are not very high in the society structure of Judaism, and here they are mocking him, making fun of him. Jesus, why don't you do this? You need to do this if you're actually performing all of these things that you say and that we've seen. If you actually want to become famous and have followers, then why don't you go with us to the Feast of Booths? Why don't you show your disciples who you actually are? And Jesus Response cuts to the heart. The world cannot hate you. It hates me. Because I tell of the evil that it does. And his brothers at that point are like, we're out, dude. Like, you want to come or not, essentially. Like, how many of you have had siblings where it was like, dude, this is what I'm doing. If you want to come, like, join us. If not, like, peace out. We're out of here. And Jesus is like, I'm staying. I'm not going to go with you. So his brothers leave and go to the Feast of Booze. Verses 10. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went, not publicly, but in private. Private, okay? Now, Jesus's where he was in Galilee, was about 60 miles from Judea, Jerusalem. Roughly 60 miles, okay? Now, this was not like hop in your car or get on your motorcycle and take a little trip down highway 1 to the 101 down to Santa Barbara and be like, oh, dude, this is amazing and beautiful. Like, I love where I live. I can't get over, like, when I get on the 1 from Lompoc and go down the 101, I'm like, I'll do this every day. I don't do it every day. My wife does almost every day, but I don't think I'd enjoy it every day. But there's something so gorgeous that when I hear, oh, 60 miles, like, my brain, 1 to the 101. I'm like, that's 60 miles. That's a beautiful 60 miles. I don't think of it so bad. My family was one of the first families in Lompoc. They were there uh, mid-late 1800s. So they were there prior to vehicles, automobiles. Their journey to Santa Barbara, much different than my journey. I see old pictures of of the Indian head going through the pass at Gaviota, and I go, wow, dude, that's so cool, because I could see it. And then I forget to see the men on horses like sitting there on horses, going horseback through Highway 1 to the 101. And I'm like, that does not look like fun. Maybe to some people, to me, I'm like, "Mm, absolutely not. I'll stay in Lompoc my entire life. I'm not getting on a horse and traveling 60 miles, let alone walking. Jesus journeys from Galilee to Jerusalem, roughly 60 miles, privately sends his brothers away, and then he goes after the fact 60 miles. Okay? Just to give you context, when we read the Bible, sometimes it's like, oh, like he just went on a little walk. No, he didn't just walk down to the liquor store three blocks away. He walked 60 miles to get to where he was going. But he did not do it publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast, saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said he is a good man, others said, no, he is leading people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly about him. The whole city is looking for Jesus. The Jews are looking for Jesus to kill him. Why are they doing this? If we remember a couple weeks ago, the pool of Bethesda, Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda and there there's a multitude of people lying lame on mats and Jesus walks up to one. I'm going to paraphrase, walks up to one and says, hey, do you want to be made well? And the dude's like, oh, I don't know, dude, like I've been laying here. Like, no one will put me in there. Like, I don't, then someone else goes in front of me like, I don't know. And then Jesus is like, makes him well. Pick up your mat and walk. The dude picks up his mat, starts walking into the temple where someone from the Jews sees him and goes, what are you doing? Put that mat down. Don't you know what day it is? Who gave you the authority to do this? What's the man do? Oh, dude, I don't know. Like, I, just, I was at the pool. dude asked if I want to be made well. I was like, well, I don't know. Dude. Like, and He told me, pick it up and walk. And then he sees Jesus down the road. Right Later on, he sees Jesus and he goes, that's the dude. It's him. Not me. He did it. And ever since that point, the scripture tells us the Jews were persecuting him, looking for an opportunity to kill him. This is why the Jews are seeking to kill him, not because he healed someone, but because of the day that he chose to heal him on. This is why the Jews have a problem, while the crowds are going, where's Jesus? Like, dude, I heard about this guy six months ago. Okay, six months have passed since last week when Pastor Joe talked about the feeding of the 5,000. The Passover feast to Feast of Booze was roughly about six months. If you want to know what happened in between those six months, the other gospels account for some of what Jesus did. But again, John isn't worried about what's already been written. He wants to make sure nothing gets left out. So the people are muttering like, oh man, six months ago, dude, I heard about this Jesus guy. Fed five thousand people with like a couple of fish, a loaf of bread from a little boy's lunch, like, and everyone not just ate, they were ate to their fill, they were full. And then the next day he said like, you need to eat my body and drink my blood, but I'm I'm not worried about that. I'm. Do you know that he fed five thousand men? Where's this dude at? I want to meet this guy, or possibly more than likely some of the people that are in Jerusalem were present at the time of these miracles. Remember, every single Jew had to be present for these feasts. Every single Jewish man had to be there. Three times a year, three feasts, they had to journey to Jerusalem. So they're all muttering, murmuring, oh, oh, Jesus, but they're not doing it in public. They're not doing it in public for fear of the Jews. The fear of the Jews has everyone kind of talking Quietly, but everyone's looking, anticipating for Jesus to come. Now, what I'll tell you is why are they looking for Jesus? Because they've heard about Jesus, they've heard about the feeding of the 5,000, they heard about the pool of Bethesda and the one man getting up and walking out. But have they really listened to Jesus? We're going to see that they have not been actually listening to what Jesus is saying. Now, some people are murmuring about themselves. He's a good man. I think this dude's pretty good. I kind of like what he does. I think it's kind of cool. Like, he could take a little bit of food and make a lot of food. Like, he could turn water into wine, dude. Like, we're, we're intense right now. Like, that'd be pretty fun. Maybe this guy should show up. They're all murmuring. And then some people are murmuring, saying this man is leading people astray. What he's telling people is false, and he's taking them somewhere where they're not supposed to go. See, this debate and this argument has been made all throughout history of who was Jesus. Now, some people will say, oh, Jesus was a good man. Some people say he's a good moral teacher. Some people say the lessons that he taught are good, but his claims to be the son of God, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. That's not really true, but we like the thing of, like, maybe peace and, oh, the, the social gospel feeding a bunch of people, like, those are good, but God, like, oh. <laughs> uh, probably not. This article has, or this argument has been made all throughout history, and the author C.S. Lewis writes something in a book that's so profound about the decision that we have as Jesus' followers, about who Jesus is. This is what he says, trying to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. This is the only thing that we cannot and must not say You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let's not come with any patronizing nonsense about him him being a great moral teacher. He has not left that open for us and he did not intend to. We have to decide who Jesus is. Now oftentimes people think of this just when they get saved at the point of conversion of, okay, I've decided that he is now Lord of my life, but if we're actually honest, sometimes I have to make that decision every single day. When I open the Bible, sometimes I read things in it that I go, whoa, that's, that's hard. Jesus, this teaching isn't, isn't what I would do teach Let me tell you that's good Jesus what you tell me to do that's not what I want to do naturally it's going against what I think I should do let me tell you that's good We have to decide is Jesus a lunatic a crazy man Is he absolutely insane and if so can we really take anything that he says Is he a liar Which again, can we take anything that he says if he is just a liar or is he actually Lord, the Son of God, God in the flesh, God with us, who has come to take away the sins of the world? Every time we open the Bible, friends, we're faced with that decision. See, the people here begin saying, he's a good man. No, he's actually leading people astray. And then Jesus does something absolutely radical. After telling his brothers, I'm not going to go, and then deciding to make the 60-mile journey in private, and then no doubt hearing people talk about, like, hey, where's this Jesus guy? Like, hey, dude, you think he's going to show up? Like, maybe he'll do something really amazing. Like, I think he's pretty cool. I think he's leading people astray. And then Jesus, it says in verse 14, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The temple was the place where everyone went. Okay, it wasn't like a church where it's like some people would go and then some people would just like go to Ellen's for breakfast instead. Like that's not what was happening. What, the, what was going on is the temple was the place where every male would go and as they're there, Jesus begins teaching in the temple. It doesn't tell us what he's teaching about, but as we read the rest of the gospel beforehand, we can get a pretty good idea of what Jesus is teaching. The Jews marveled at his teaching, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he's never studied? And Jesus says, my teaching is not my own, but him who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keep the law? Why do you still seek to kill me? This is where it gets good. So Jesus is now teaching in the temple. People are marveling at it, going, How does this man have such learned skills when he's never actually studied? We're amazed. What is this? He tells them, I'm teaching not my own teaching. I'm mirroring what God already taught. I'm a reflection of God the Father. This is not a new teaching, but he was teaching in a way with authority and power that they marveled. He says, you guys don't keep the commandments. Why do you seek to kill me? And their response... Remember, they marveled at his teaching. Wow, this is amazing. It's echoing the feast of feeding the 5,000. Wow, this is amazing. Jesus teaches in the temple. Everyone marvels. He goes, why are you seeking to kill me? And what is their response? You have a demon. That he goes from, listen to this teaching of one with authority and power. We're marveled. This is amazing. To, That's a, you're demon possessed. Who's trying to kill you? It's the feeding of the 5,000 all over again. Man, this is so great. Jesus, look at what you've done. And then he goes, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. Oh, that's hard saying, man. Even his disciples go, man, this is hard. I don't know about this. Some of the disciples even leave. Jesus answers them, I did one work. Remember, the work he did was the healing at the pool of Bethesda. I did one work. And you all marveled at it. People are easily marveled. Do you know how people are easily marveled? They'll hear a lot and they'll be marveled. Are they listening? Again, sometimes I'll scroll through my phone. I'll be like, whoa, that's amazing. All right, cool. And I keep going. Sometimes I'll read something in a book, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to change my life forever. And then I keep reading, and I'm like, wait, what was that? Like, where did I read that? That was going to change my life forever, and now I can't even remember. I can't even remember what book I read it in, let alone where it was in the book. See, we're easily marveled sometimes because we're just hearing so much, but are we actually listening? They marvel at the miracles. They marvel at his teachings. Then Jesus takes another turn. Verses 22. Moses gave you circumcision. I did one work. I healed a man. Moses gave you circumcision. You can say that's a a sharp turn. (laughs) Not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. Oh, so now we're going to see how Jesus is connecting these dots. You, heal, you circumcise a man on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken. Are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a whole man's body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. See, Jesus begins saying, hey, wait a minute, you're trying your best to uphold the law of Moses, okay? God did set out a Sabbath. Now, it's important to remember in Genesis, when God Sabbaths for the first time, Adam and Eve are created on the sixth day, and on the seventh day, God rested, and there was a Sabbath. The first day that Adam and Eve ever enjoyed with God was a day where there was no work. What a beautiful thing. This wasn't because God was tired or exhausted or needed a break, but he was modeling for Adam and Eve the importance of resting with God. Now, this was not rest in the garden where it was like, okay, we're going to be far from God. I'm going I'm to take a moment and breathe a little bit. No, this was time with the creator God that they enjoyed. It's intentional, and what the Jews did in the time of Jesus is they created other laws that told you how you were supposed to rest with God. You can't walk so many steps. You can't do this. You want to heal a man? Absolutely not. We don't do that on the Sabbath, Jesus. But we could circumcise on the Sabbath. See, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. You can't heal a man. That's not what we do today. Do it tomorrow. You should have done it yesterday. But what we can do is we can now plot your murder on the Sabbath. Because we don't like what you did on the Sabbath. So now, on the Sabbath, we're going to plot your murder. All of these laws and rules to help them rest with God. And Jesus is like, wait a minute. You can circumcise on the Sabbath, but you say I can't make a whole man's body well? You've heard about Jesus, but are you actually listening to what he's saying? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. As Jesus has made his way to Judea, he will not leave Judea again. He has left the region of Galilee for the last time. And the journey from here on out is going to be the struggle and the tension that people have. Is he a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he exactly who he says he is? The son of God. God with us. All of us have made this journey. If you haven't and you're still on that journey, welcome. We're glad you're here. We'll journey with you. This journey is not one that's new. Remember we talked about Jesus' brothers mocking him, making fun of him, antagonizing him, deciding, okay, he might be crazy, like, we, they, we grew up with Jesus. Like, it was not fun growing up in the household with Jesus. We broke something. Mom, Mary would come in and be like, who did it? I know Jesus didn't do it. <laughs> it was not enjoyable probably necessarily growing up in the household of Jesus all the time, the Son of God. I would struggle with that a little bit. And at this point in their life, they go, Dude, you're nuts. You're crazy. We don't believe in you. But if you trace the brothers of Jesus and the journey that they make, one of his brothers was James, who authored the book of James, the epistle of James. And in Acts, we find out that James is actually the lead apostle that is in charge of the whole Jerusalem council, okay? He had high authority in the church. Now, I would argue it's not just because he was the brother of Jesus or half-brother of Jesus. I would argue it's probably because he spent a lot of time with Jesus. Now, he maybe didn't always understand Jesus, but if we're looking at someone who spent the most time with Jesus, James was probably it. And thinking back as he's recognized Jesus is exactly who he says he is. He is God with us, the God who came to save the sins of the world by dying on the cross and raising on the third day. That's not just my brother. That is my savior. And thinking back of growing up with Jesus, thinking back before Jesus started his ministry, someone who had spent time with Jesus was James. See, I've been around a lot of people that know a lot about Jesus, don't actually know Jesus. One of my biggest fears is that I can stand up here and tell Jesus stories, talk about Jesus. But did I spend time with Jesus this week? See, James was someone that spent time with Jesus and is the leader of the Jerusalem council. Jude was another one of his brother, or Justice, and he went on to author the epistle of Jude. He had made the determination. Man, he was not just my brother. He wasn't crazy. Everything he did had a purpose. He was listening to God the Father. He was not a liar. He was not a lunatic. But he was Lord, and he is Lord of my life. They went from being mock. They went from mocking Jesus to being martyred for Jesus, both of them dying for their faith in Jesus. Now remember, this isn't faith in Jesus the savior of the world, necessarily. This is, I am dying for my faith in Jesus, who was my brother. I'm so assured that He is exactly who He says He is, that I'm willing to die. Every day we have the decision to determine, are we going to make Jesus a liar? Are we going to decide he's a lunatic? Or is he going to be Lord of our lives, guiding and directing every single step that we make? Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your life. We thank you for everything that you did, Jesus. Your teaching was not your own, but it was the Father's. And you mirrored and reflected exactly what the Father wanted you. You showed us the heart of the Father, gentle and lowly in spirit. God, help us to make the decision and understand that we have the decision every day as we read the scriptures, as we encounter you, to decide whether we're going to make you a liar, a lunatic, or whether we will submit to the kingship of Jesus and say, you are my Lord. Lord, we surrender everything to you. We say what the disciples say. You have the words of life. Where else can I go? Be with us today and this week, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. It's in your mighty name we pray these things. And everyone says, amen, amen. Amen, amen. If you love Jesus, will you give him one more hand, clap, of praise?